Hey mama, welcome back. Today we are on the avenue of all the things, mindset, uh, mompreneurship, and our guest today isn't a mom, but we're going to talk about parenthood and how she was parented. My guest today is Danica Brysha, and I have an inkling that you already know her, but for those few who don't, Danica Brysha is an IMG Curve model. She's the founder and CEO of Model Meals, a Whole30 meal delivery business, a self-care coach, and the creator of the brunch series Wellness Events. Danica's mission in life is to help others to live their fullest possible lives. She speaks openly about her recovery from food addiction and disordered eating and teaches workshops centered around using self-care daily to create the life of your wildest dreams. And I got to tell you, we taped the interview in the back of my minivan. You guys, sometimes with mom life, you just have to do what you got to do. So I lost my nanny last week. She took another job. And so I didn't have childcare. So I asked Danica to meet me in front of my friend's work. Shout out to B-Tone Fitness, Carson. While the kids were inside, Danica and I got the interview done in the back of my minivan. I did put on the AC because I'm not a mean person. And we did the interview. And so I want to encourage you. You can do anything anywhere. So let's dive into our interview. I've met Danica eight years ago. She's a dear friend of mine. We were connected through a mutual friend. We all did semester at sea. When I moved to Santa Monica, I didn't have a lot of friends. Danica lived a few blocks away from me. So I was able to see her and I just saw her career and her empire take off. So it's been so amazing. I'm so inspired by my friend who really is the uh, what do you call it? The gateway drug person who brought me into the world of mindset and gratitude and affirmation. And I got to tell you, if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have the courage to start something. I wouldn't have the mental clarity after doing Whole30 to really take action on the stuff that wasn't working in my life. Avenue Mama wouldn't exist. And for all the people that she has affected. Will you give her some love today? Will you go just blow up her social media and tell her how much she's made a difference in your life? Because I know she knows, but sometimes let's just flood somebody that we love so much because what she's doing with her community is literally changing the world. Okay, let's get into this interview, guys. Welcome to the Avenue Mama podcast, where we explore the avenues of motherhood, mindset, and mompreneurship. I know you're a busy mama, so during each show, I've built in time for you to apply the tip or lesson to your life while you listen. I'm your host, Annie Vovant, mother of two, and this podcast was created because mom guilt is real, and so are our dreams. So let's get rid of mom guilt once and for all. Girl, let's get started. So welcome to the minivan, Danica. Thank you, Annie, for having me in your minivan. <laughs> Have you ever experienced anything like this? I mean, this is a real treat. To be honest. I really appreciate that how on brand you are. Hey man, I'm not faking the funk. Mom life is real. I didn't have childcare situated, so, so we just tied them to the outside of the van. No, that's not funny. No big probably. deal. No big deal. So okay. this podcast, right, is about motherhood, mindset, and entrepreneurship. So I thought it'd be a really great twist to first of all talk about how you're parented because I think like moms are so immersed into like how do I parent so I think this interview is kind of a fun twist on motherhood because right now you're not a mom and it would be really interesting to see how your parents parented you because you're a great human being and I'm sure my community is like if we could raise our own Diana because that would be fantastic <laughs> I and wasn't then, super easy but <laughs> and then mindset because I owe 100% of any mindset work to you my friend and then I think that's a generous percentage, but thank you. <laughs> Fine, 99. And then um, <laughs> entrepreneurship, which obviously you can talk all day about. So yes, 
let's have the uh, mom audience uh, know a little bit more about you, all the things that you want to talk about. I'll do an intro as well, but yeah. just anything that you want to share that's on your heart that you feel like sharing. Well, I was just telling Annie, I have no idea how moms do what they do because I can barely take get myself somewhere on time and like put a little mascara on. So first of all, shout out to taking care of other human beings because that's crazy. And one day maybe I'll do that too. <laughs> it must take a lot of energy. No, um, I am just honored to be here. I've been so proud of you and building your empire for moms <laughs> and watching you become a mom and transform. You, I've known you since before your kids. Before yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. And just to watch all this major life stuff in the last eight years is just so cool. And I know that you're helping so many moms with, um, and not just moms, but helping so many moms, especially with finding time to take care of themselves amongst all the craziness. Do you think we're ridiculous moms when you see like all the bustle? I mean, it's because no, I really I'm like, didn't. I think it's amazing. I just am in awe because I... You know, and I know you just rise to the occasion. Like, you just sort of like, well, I don't have another option, so I'm going to figure this out. But it makes you, it reminds you of when you, when you think, when I think things are hard and busy, it's like, dang, like, I can't imagine having anything else on my plate. Mm-hmm. And that's a, it's not just like something that takes a couple hours a day. It's a full time <laughs> thing. So it's just amazing. And I feel really grateful. Um, I think the more I do self work and learn about just sort of the human experience, the more I realize how much of an impact our parents have on who we become and how much we absorb and how much we become the people who raise us. And not necessarily, it's not always going to look the same, but there's a lot of belief systems, belief about life and, and experience and all that, that is just gets ingrained in a way that is very challenging to unprogram. It doesn't mean you can't, but from, you know, and so I think for your community, it's full of moms who are wanting to work on themselves because they know that that passes along to their children. And and I think it's so important. So I just feel grateful because, you know, I'm not a mom yet, but eventually one day I might be. And, and for me, I'm sort of the, where I am in my journey is really thinking about what are the things that I, what are my character defects to take a word from the recovery world, but like, what are my character defects that I don't want to pass along to children? Because if I don't want to pass them along, then I sure as hell better not, uh, have them myself anymore right yeah so and that doesn't mean like you got to be perfect before you have some kids by any means but it's something to think about and I think it's a really it's I I think a lot about it's like an interesting time period for women before they have kids like I I feel like there should be like it's so valuable I love listening to mom stuff um, and parenting stuff even though I don't have kids because how important to learn that Mm -hmm. when you're heading on that journey you're such a better human being than me because when I was your age and my friends had kids, I was like, okay, I guess I won't see you for like two years because you're going to be mommying and I'm going to be annoyed. Like, I'm, I'll be honest. Like, And I think maybe because I hadn't found Mr. Right until my late 30s uh-huh. that when my friends were having kids, I felt like I lost my girlfriend. I lost my friend yeah. to go to Europe with. I lost uh-huh. all these things. And so that's a really nice perspective of you to be okay for that because to be honest with you, when I was, yeah, when I was your age, I... I wasn't as open as this could be a learning. I was just like, oh, I lost my friend. Yeah. As, as you have friends with babies now and stuff. Then. Yeah, it just changes. Like, it's different. Yeah. I have some friends that I do certain things with and yeah. friends. But truth be told, I love kids. Like, mm-hmm. I have so much fun. I was so excited to see your kids today. I'm, like, so happy they're you here. You saw Max, like, I feel like two weeks out. Like, he was baby. Santa Monica. Yeah. yeah. And I just, kids to me represent how we're meant to be. Like, I think, I really deeply believe that children are 
born perfectly and they come into this world like this like amount the amount of love and the focus they have on play and the way that they express emotion and the way that they see the world where everything's exciting and miraculous and magical like and and their willingness they want to connect and they're not and they don't have egos like that is what we are trying to undo ourselves as adults to get back to that in, 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 at an older, more conscious stage. Right. So I think there's so much, especially if you're into the personal growth space, like what you can learn from kids and being in, uh, just, you know, came out of a relationship and I looked at how much, like (laughs) I was thinking about it and I was like, wow, I did all this, all this personal growth work when I was uh, like literally like single and living alone and totally could be selfish with my time and had all this time. And you're like, cool, I got some stuff figured out. I got it. And then like you're thrown a partner, a romantic partner. And you realize, wow, this is a mirror. Like relationships are where you really delve into it. I really think kids are your mirror too. I can't imagine. Kids are probably that next level even Mm -hmm. where like it takes you to a whole nother level with that mirror experience, which I think is how we grow. Mm -hmm. We reflect like that. They're, they're totally on mirror. I remember, um, so I've been always in a mommy and me group, even to this day, we're like almost going on to six years with our mommy therapist, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, she always goes back to that. Like the things that trigger you from your children, like what Avery triggers me mm-hmm. is the stuff that I still need to work on myself. What, is, what are those things? She's very emotional. Mm-hmm. She's very sensitive. So damn it. Um, <laughs> she's really stubborn. I don't think I'm stubborn though. I don't believe I'm stubborn. I feel like uh-huh. I'm really open, but yeah, kids, you're right. You, when you wake up, they are so resilient. They're, you know, they're, they're very face value. Mm, they just take yeah. it. I remember I was mortified having to tell the preschool um, parents that Max has all these food allergies. Yeah. And I was meeting the preschool director and she's like, the kids will be like, okay. Yeah. And it'll be the, she's like, it'll be the parents that you have to worry about more. And it was so true. The kids were like, okay, like next. They didn't yeah. care. Yeah. Like, I'm like, sorry, you can't have this. Yeah. And so kids are face value. They're completely your mayor. How your parented completely shows up in how you uh, were parented, and yeah. for and for me, it, it was. I feel like I was raised in such a cross-cultural, generational thing mm-hmm. that I'm really being mindful of the stuff that I don't want to bring. Mm-hmm. So it's the same. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. should we talk about Andre and Cindy? <laughs> yes, those are my my yeah. beautiful parents. Tell me if there's any three like guiding messages that you can look to as far as like how you are and then if there's anything that you that happened that you don't think was very that serves you so much so yeah I think I think a lot about it as an entrepreneur now Um, I think a lot about how I got to how I look at the world because I tend to when I look at the world I tend to especially from a business perspective I see problems not in a negative way but I see places where a solution could fit and that to me is entrepreneurship, right? It's creating something that solves a problem that doesn't necessarily 100%. exist. Yeah, that's, yeah. And so what I realized is my parents, I grew up in a, I grew up on Long Island, New York, and we grew up in a very creative town, like okay. music, arts, there was just, and it was, I had an amazing childhood and that's the thing. And I do, you know, I've done so much therapy and all that stuff. And it's like, you search and you search and you search for the trauma and all that yeah. stuff. And I know a lot of people have yeah. had it. I learned yeah. during brunch series, just the tr- you know so yeah, mu- yeah. so many people are so strong and have been through so much and the truth is i was i have a very privileged um and a, a really i had really hands-on parents and so we did a lot of um 
music. We did a lot of arts. We did a lot of sports. I was like very social, but I think in terms of my success in business, what really helped me was the creative process. Meaning my parents, I, I did a lot of writing as a kid. I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of creating, you building to, things. You said, we're going to put you in an art class, Danica. It never felt forced, but okay. I think, I mean, I think they were probably just like, give me some free time <laughs> and like <laughs> put your kids in all of the things, right? Because we're at, our community is at that age yeah. where we come to, this is a great topic actually because there was a mom on a Facebook thing saying like, do I put my kids in piano? They're four years old. And a lot of people were like, I didn't start mine until five and you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And I chimed in and I was like, as someone who started piano at six, yeah. not something I wanted to do. Yeah. I don't think that you should necessarily until your kids really pick up on it. I played till yeah. college, but do I wish my I was able to hone that time to something else I, mean, I could be like dancing for the Lakers for all you know <laughs> you know but like I didn't so how did your parents this is a great question because mm -hmm. I, I love the byproduct of what yeah. they did for your parenting how did the parents deal with and you didn't want to do an activity any longer did they force you I feel like I was a master of none sort of thing where mm -hmm. we were more of the our childhood was more about try new things Okay. Do a bunch of different stuff. It was never like, let's make her the world's best clarinet player. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there was no focus on being a master. Yeah. It was more on trying new things, like working different parts of my mind. And that's what I was going to say in terms of yeah. entrepreneurship. What happened was I learned being raised really creatively. I learned to like, I learned to see what doesn't exist. I learned to believe in the fact that I could take an idea and make it tangible. Mm. And that has in my spirituality as well, this idea that our thoughts become things, this idea that our changing our mindset mm -hmm. will change literally can, can create physical form and change the physical form. I really believe the physical form, the things we see, the buildings, the chairs, the, you know, all Mini the different things, the minivans, <laughs> right? The podcast yeah. studios, um, all that stuff was at one point, not tangible physical matter. It was a thought. Somebody and someone said, oh, I think a minivan because of all that, like, I, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. And then they turned into something physical. And that's yeah. the w way this entire thing works. Absolutely. And so I think being raised creatively, coming back to that, being raised creative as a child was learn to go into my mind and find what's unseen and take it and create it. So I did a lot of like connects and Legos and building mm. and sports. And mm. so it was, I would say it was, it, I think it really, really benefited me because I tried a lot of different so stuff. Things. And because okay. I tried so many things, it de meant that I wasn't gonna, I wasn't good at everything, right? It's easy for you to put your kid in something and they do like just that all the time and then they become really good at it and they never had the experience yeah. of not being good. And so I think maybe it sort of, I don't come from a super competitive family. I don't mm -hmm. think it was ever about like, like my parents, you know, <laughs> rewarded me for good grades, but it was, I was not like student. The reason I did well in school, <laughs> decent in school, well, is probably an overstatement. The reason I did decently in school was because I was so social and involved. So I was super just like knew everyone and always participating class mm -hmm. president and all that. Yeah. Let's say you and Stefan were both in basketball. Mm -hmm. At what point do they say, you can, can you just flip it and be like, I'm done with basketball, can't mom, and go on? Or did they say like, we want to, you want Finish what you start, rather. Do you remember any of that? Yeah. Like, so I don't remember it. And, and what it brings up is the fact that I spent a lot of, I don't, something in my family that wasn't necessarily something we did, I don't think super well, was 
express emotion, right? Not that it was shut down by any means, not that I didn't feel loved or supported, but I didn't come from, right. I didn't feel, I didn't come, we didn't come from, and my parents didn't come from those cultures either. Um, my dad's European and, and my mom, you know, they just didn't come from vulnerability and this, like my mom is not, you know, she's amazing, but she's, her personality is not like nurturing motherly, like let me bake you cookies. Right. Was there a lot of physical affection? There was, you know, like, like, yeah, yeah. Always I love you's always like, yeah. So I think it was more what I, what I can kind of look at is maybe this feeling of my parents were so strong and so put together for me. Um, and not in like a trying so hard to look put together way, but they just were strong for us, you know? And so I think I didn't see a lot of negative emotion. I didn't see a lot of sadness. I didn't see a lot of anger. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think I necessarily picked up the fact that that was something that I could express. Unfortunately, I didn't have a ton of sadness and anger as a kid, but regardless, I think what I learned to do was keep my emotions inside, be happy, be please everyone. For most of my high school, mm. most of my childhood, it was always like, be everyone's friend. Um, don't be mean to anyone because no one can hurt you sort of thing. It was always about like, get everyone to like you sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And what happened was I pushed down all the feelings because we're human beings. We have a wide range of feelings. Yeah, everyone sure. does, no matter how great your situation. Right. And so I shoveled those down. And for me, what became my comfort was food. And so I developed a really interesting emotional relationship with food where I became comfort and love and like nurturing and that sort of thing. And so Did it's been interesting. Did you that with the food part? No. So, so, well, I think I, I was dieting. I grew up in diet culture. My parents were dieting. Like that was just kind of like what everyone was doing or at least around us. And so I think it was when I didn't, and I was severely bulimic in high school and like went through a whole thing and they didn't know. I never, I mean, I never, never mm-hmm. told them and I hit it and you know, and so could I say no to basketball, whatever. What I'm, the reason I went off kind of on that, that story is the fact that I don't think it took me a really long time to get to a point where I paused, listened into my needs. What do I really want and express them versus responding and interacting and engaging in life based on what I thought I should do. I used yeah. to just say yes and no to things based on what you could ask me, how do you, how are you feeling right now? And yeah. I would look around at the situation and I would judge how I thought I was supposed to feel in that situation Even at a young age. instead of tuning in and saying, how do I actually feel? I didn't know that feelings had these different sensations in the body. I went to therapy when I was 20 something where they retrained me to say, oh, well, sadness feels like this. And if you're an- and rage might feel like this and anger and anxiety, you're going to maybe feel in your chest. Like I was like, what? Like it was like mind blowing for me to understand that emotions had physical representations that showed up in the body. And so it was just a slowing down. And then the, my kind of journey of mindfulness to staying back in my body and feeling out, okay, well, I just had this conversation and all this anxiety is coming up. What's that about? And I can investigate that and learn how I feel about it based on how I actually feel Feel about it. it. Yeah. I mean that visceral connection. Yeah. I want to see if we can go back to when you started to hide that from your parents. What made you feel like they couldn't be a source of comfort for you. Or not comfort, but just something for you. I think it was more, I think for me, it was just, I really adopted the persona of everyone's friend, happy, funny one, like no drama, no. And I think for me, I've been very independent. I've always been like very independent. And that's kind of led me to being a business owner and wanting to take like handle things myself. And maybe because I liked, you know, I just, my, I know that if I go to my parents with something heavy and emotional, they will be there a hundred percent. 
You yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It's just that I don't do it. Right. And so there was just some gap in me that said, oh, maybe that's not strong or maybe that's not maybe that's mm. putting too much pre- that maybe that's asking too much of someone else. And that's mm. something I'm just I was processing this with my ex-boyfriend last night, which, you know, that's yeah. a whole other story. <laughs> but processing this this thing where, you know, for me, when I ask someone to hold space for me emotionally, when mm. I say, you know, I'm feeling this, I really need to process this. Can you listen and just like unconditionally love? I'm not looking for advice. Asking someone for that, I almost I, I will almost start crying right away. And it's very interesting, and I and and it's not everyone, but for the most part, it's like there's something there for me that is like oh, burdening someone with my emotions. There's some there's something there, and I wouldn't say my parents ever felt me. I never they never showed me something that said oh, you're burdening me with your emotions. You know what I mean? I don't feel like I saw that. I never felt like if, if I was upset, I always felt held and nurtured. Mm-hmm. But for it's I don't know if it was that switched for me. I would say it was probably like, I would say like middle school, high school is when I started, uh, I struggled a lot with self-esteem and that starting, starting when, uh, I think probably like fifth grade. Okay. So I was always just a bigger girl. And so I struggled a lot with self-worth and I think pretty much, I think a lot of my sort of, I guess, character defects stem from that. I struggled a lot with feeling worthy, feeling beautiful, feeling like, I was deserving of like romantic love, those sorts of things, I think really established. And you did Weight Watchers when? Super young. I did Weight Watchers, probably started that when I was 14, and then I did Atkins. Was that directed by your parents or just self-directed? They're self-directed. I mean, I think I saw, you know, my my parents dieted, and that was kind of what everyone did. You know, it was like that was the norm at that time. You know, now it's changing a bit, but at the time, you know, so I saw that and I think it was like, okay, well that's the norm. So I want to lose some weight. So great. And my dad had lost weight on Atkins and I was like, I'm going to try Atkins. And I lost like 30 or 40 pounds in high school. And I think that's when it really switched for me to solidify. It solidified what I always believed to be true of the fact that I was more worthy when I was skinnier. Because what happens is when I lost that weight, all the guys started liking me. I started getting more respect from people. I was getting these opportunities. Like I was getting, you know, I was getting all this attention and I was like, oh, cool. So it fueled And that became my power. And that, it fueled me. And that's because, that's when I decided, oh, I, I want to be a model. Mm. Because if I'm a model, that's like the, the ultimate. ultimate. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So let's fast forward and pretend that you are a mom and you have a little girl. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and she's going through some body stuff. And you've mm-hmm. been really conscious about not saying yeah. negative and all yeah. that stuff. And she's struggling with um, worthiness. What, what would you want to say to her? She's, let's say she's 10. Oh, gosh. I would really hope that the way that I modeled loving my body and myself for those 10 years of her life would near guarantee that she wouldn't get there, but I'm not the only influence on her life. And that's what it comes down to. You know, I think it would just be, be really monitoring her consumption outside of the home. If I, if I knew that the messaging she was getting at home and the messaging that I was seeing was giving her positive messages, like I would do kind of what I did, I would try and help her find role models who were, who looked like her, mm. if it was a body thing, right? Mm. Who looked like her and were being celebrated as beautiful and successful. Mm. Cause that was a big switch mm. for me. So I guess it would be sort of talking to her and maybe she loves a certain TV show or she mm-hmm. loves someone, there's someone on Instagram. Like, how do I find, how do I take her to a concert from 
by Lizzo, right? <laughs> Who's like body con, you know, like how do I, so it's hard yeah. to, it's hard to say like parenting is like a whole nother field that I am <laughs> not experienced with, but. And that's okay. Cause I think we all get thrown into it. And I think one of the things is there's no perfect answer. You really, this is the kind of thing I want to impart to the community is like, we can make mistakes yeah. and say sorry to our kids. Like mom was really upset today. I apologize to my kids a lot because I think it makes it more human and I want them to fail. I want them to be able to try something and say sorry yeah. you know, if there was something that was a different yeah. result. I think you talked about Instagram for a second and that just made me think of, you know, mompreneurs and mm-hmm. showing their, okay, I'll, I'll just share a little bit of what I think. There's people that I follow on Instagram and that they're going to become a mom and I get mm-hmm. super pumped up about it because yeah. I'm like, yay, they're going to experience, they're going to join the yeah. club. And then I'm always curious about how they're going to show up, mm-hmm. right? Especially if they have a platform. And I, and I love how um, Jeanette shot the killer. Mm-hmm. I think she's great. Like I think yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. Just sharing the truth and the, yeah. all that stuff. There's no curation. And so I get sad when I see a mom that never talks about any kind of pain or, or struggle soon after. And I think it's, it doesn't set up the next generation of moms yeah. to win. You're very transparent on your Instagram. Do you think you're going to share a lot when you have kids? Like, do you think your kids will be in the Honestly, photos? I don't know do if think? I'll be on Instagram by the time I have kids. I feel like social media is changing so much. And I, I don't, I think we're, not that this was the question. I'll get yeah. back to the question. But yeah. in the terms, in, uh, speaking of social media, and Mary, maybe my friend Gary V will have more to say about this tomorrow when yeah. you interview him in your minivan. Um I think but, he'd be down for this. Yeah, time. I think he'd be down for it too. He'd be, he'd like be into this. That would actually be. You should ask him. I think no matter how positive the people we follow are, I think it's really challenging, even if you're the most conscious being, to not compare yourself, mm-hmm. even to the to the person that's showing all the the vulnerable stuff, which nowadays is sexy like, and like, like used as sales. Yeah. Like I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But I really feel like we're actually going to move away from the digital world in that sense and crave more in-person community. Like a lot of what you've built with your local groups yeah. and your in-person groups, I think we're going to move in that direction. Yeah. So my hope is that it won't necessarily be an issue. Yeah. That being said, if I am in a, on a platform, on a public platform, 100%, I hope so. I think I think the best thing that I can compare it to is my relationship with Billy, my partner, my ex. Like, we, one of the things that I feel passionate about, which is, I think, very aligned, is the fact that, for me, I hadn't been in many relationships before. And so on social media, relationships tend to look perfect in most cases. And no one, not a lot of people talk about how much work it takes. And so what happens is the people who are in a relationship and it doesn't feel perfect all the time, they decide this relationship is not for me. This is the wrong person. Instead of the reality, which is being with another person that intimately is going to take work over and over and over again. And it's going to be hard sometimes. It's going to be easy sometimes. But we do a massive disservice, like you said, to the general public if we have a platform and we're not utilizing it in in a human way. That being said, there are people who just want to share about this one piece, right? They just want to share clean eating. Mm-hmm. They just want to share fashion. Mm-hmm. They just want to share home decor, right? Mm-hmm. And there are certain people that just want to follow that. Yeah. And because it's so, an escape in ways. And it's yeah, highlight reel. Right, exactly. So it depends what someone's using the platform for. But I think if you're someone craving vulnerability and realness, then you're you're going to seek out those people. And and ultimately at the end of the day, it is our responsibility what we consume. That's the reality. 
if you keep consuming someone who's acting like everything's perfect yeah. and had a baby and lost all <laughs> the weight right away and it's 25 perfect hours. and my baby is so <laughs> smart and speaks six languages, like, yeah. uh, then, then, then you need to be disciplined enough to say this, uh, this is bringing up a lot of negativity for me. This is not serving me. This is not taking me to my highest 100%. good and choose differently and curate, cur- curate differently because we have a lot of power over what we consume and we, yeah. and we like to act ultimate, powerless. Yeah. yeah. Ultimate power in that. Oh, I love that. Um, let's talk about what you're, what's on the horizon for you as far as in-person stuff and your mastermind and stuff. Yeah. Like so I have been feeling called. So I went on the tour last year. We did 66 events. The all brunch over, series. It's called the brunch series. It was a women's wellness tour. And we did 66 events all over the United States. Um, for look at your nail polish. It's really, stickers. What? Yeah. It's like you put it on and two minutes later you could. I have some. I can I, I saw those in Korea. Color Street. But they didn't work well on my nails. It's been a week. And look at my toes. <laughs> Arts and crafts. So um, is my car still here? You know what? Uh, do you think I got a ticket? I think Do I'm you want to move it? No. We can come back. I don't think so. I don't, I don't have. It's not registered. It's been a year and a half. So <laughs> that's not my fault, by the way. It's a DMV's fault. Um, <laughs> you're fine. What was, what was I talking about? Oh, that's coming up. So I did the tour. Okay. It was incredible. It was really cool experience to get to know people in person. Yeah. Because I think in the digital it's space, everything. you don't often get to meet people yeah. in person. Yeah. So that was really special. It was about 20, it was probably about 2,500 women total over the course of the 10, 11 months that we were doing events. So, um, excuse me. <laughs> we'll make, we'll amplify that. Part. Yeah. Just, yeah. Don't cut that out. Um, so that was amazing. So when I'm, I, I, for me, it's a mixture, right? Cause I want to be able to access the people who aren't local, but I also want to have a little, I, I like intimacy. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't love one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Like for some reason, like I, 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 it's not that I don't love it, but I feel, feel more impactful, more impactful gotcha. when I can work with groups, Same. but I also feel more impactful when I can get to an intimate level with people. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing a whole 30 group, which is going to be in partnership with my business model meals. So that'll have like, like whole, it'll be, and it'll be local. So there'll be some in-person like barbecues and stuff. And then it comes with meals and it comes with virtual check-ins and September, that'll be September. Okay. Also, actually, rewinding August, September for Model Meals, we're opening all of California, Arizona, Nevada. So we're open, we're expanding majorly. And then September Whole30 Group and the expansion for Model Meals. October, November, we're opening a kitchen in Austin, Texas. So we are getting that all geared up and that'll serve all of Texas. Probably, I think it's New Mexico, Oklahoma. (laughs) Um, And then we have some other states we'll be opening kind of gradually after that from those two kitchens. And then I'm going to be doing a mastermind for women. So I feel really called to work with women with platforms, whether they're models or influencers or whatever it is, who have platforms and they are the product and are challenged. So many people are feeling burnt out. Because when when you have a personal brand and you wear the product, you don't get a day off. Mm-hmm. Because there's on. only so much you can scale yourself, right, mm-hmm. without you having to show up. And what I've built with Model Meals has given me sort of the experience of, wow, you know, I went through this breakup the last six months and I've been able to sit back and not be so on and not do any events and stuff and have some sort of income coming in. And so I also, be, because I believe that social media is changing, I believe that I, I really want to work with these these women to build something that will last beyond where whatever happens with social, because you know, from the marketing world, we don't own any of that. Right. It can just disappear. My friend was a vine star and all of a sudden overnight, it just went away. And so they, we, we put so many people with personal brands, I put so much energy and time mm. into building that, 
but then if, if social just goes away, right. maybe you have an email list, but right. like what happens? Right. And so I want to help people build products or services or something that scales themselves so that they have permission to um, take days off, to get sick, to take vacations, to deal with personal stuff. Like I want, I want to help them do that. So, and, and the sweet that really came from initially in, being in the modeling world, I see so many models and they have like millions of followers and they have this huge platform, yeah. but no one's talking to them about business and about yeah. what, what happens happen? after modeling when it expires because it does, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And so that's what really, like, I just really want to help people scale themselves and build something that, that, you know, can really grow without taking such an energetic toll on them as an individual. So four years into Oh, wait, I'm not done. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm telling you, so that's, that's <laughs> no, my... No, 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 I was going to oh, you talk okay, about on that one. Okay. entrepreneur with yes. Mills four years, but we go back, finish your thought. Well, I was going to... So I'm doing... So in December, I'll do like a U-year group. So I do like a sort of December, January intro to get people geared up for um, a fresh new year. And then I have a new business launching that is um, essentially like live self-care classes. I'm not going to say too much, but it's launching pretty soon and it'll be a way for people essentially like the same way you take a workout class, Mm -hmm. you will be able to take a self-care mindset class uh, every morning, various coaches, 15 minute class. Like for moms, this is going to be perfect because it's like there will be 10 minute, 15 minute classes where you can sit at your computer, you can breastfeed while you're doing it. Like, and it's, it's mindset, it's journaling. It's like all of these things that can help you get in, like it's, it's the workout for your soul that we need to do before we go into each day. So it's, it's basically my, like my self-care checklist. Yeah. It's live. Yeah. Yeah. It's all yeah. live community driven, all that. This is two years, like two years in the making. I feel like the first time you were thinking about it. I'm thinking about it for a long time. I just haven't had the bandwidth to really do it. And, yeah. um, and now I'm feeling like it's the time yeah. and then I'm writing a book, but that's been forever. I need to like, that's, that's been Get a less a long project. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So these new projects, some are in person, some are virtual. What keeps you going? What gets those creative juices going? Um, and here's a, the bigger reason is because I'm really drawn to moms who want to start a business for impact. Mm-hmm. And, and what I really say is that if your why is bigger than yourself and mm. it's for the greater good, then I think that's going to drive you. Mm, I love that. Um, if it's for like a personal thing, I had a, I had a mom say, I asked her, why do you want to scale your YouTube? And she said, because I want brands to pay for my family vacations, mm-hmm. which is fine. But yeah. I think... You, what you want to hang on, what is what gets harder when things don't go well is for your bigger why. Like, yeah. Because I know I'm going to help her because I know I'm going to get her out of dysfunctional eating I, because I know I'm going to get moms out of feeling um, guilty and overwhelmed and broke, right? So what's your biggest why? Well, I like that you said that because I think we also have to keep in mind in order to big build uh, Amy Porterfield just sent an email the other day and I just had like so much wisdom in just the email, not even listening to the podcast. <laughs> know, and it was just like said, you know, as a reminder of like, you can't build an empire by yourself. And so if the why statement is self-serving, good luck trying to bring people on that to delegate that have a passion to grow the business because like yeah. what yeah. They, they're motivated by their salary, which is probably not that great, you know, yeah. like, yeah. so, so, so yeah, it, it's from a certain, it's to an, like another point. Yeah. We, a why that is serving more than just the per, the owner of the business. hundred percent. Allows you to actually build a big business. Yeah. So if you don't have one and it is self-serving, you better come up with another way that mm-hmm. like it can be self-serving, but it also needs to serve a purpose. Right. And I think we're in a 100%. cool time now where most businesses or most people who are starting businesses are passion driven, which is really yeah. cool. Or maybe I'm just like in a cool, a community of people who are, no, I, but I, I believe you. if you're not solving a problem, 
then you, you got to figure right. out how are you solving someone else's right. problem? So I have a couple purposes and passion, like I have a sort of why that I would say the why that holds together all of my different brands and projects is the, um, I want to help people live their fullest possible life. And for me, starting with model meals, I, food changed my life. It was the catalyst doing the whole 30 was the catalyst that led me into everything else. So if I don't eat the way that I eat, my brain becomes foggy. If my brain is foggy and I don't have mental clarity, yeah, it's like screw trying to do any sort of inner work because I can't hear. I'm not, I'm numb. So I don't feel my feelings. I'm not tuned in. I don't have mental clarity. I don't have the inner wisdom. So what happens is I seek my, my worth. I seek my inspiration. I seek everything outside myself. Mm -hmm. And that's how we get into trouble. And we take opinions from everyone else instead of being like, what feels good to me? So for me, food was the foundation, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I just built a business that made it easy to eat that way. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm a big believer in these like sort of like pillars, right? We have sleep, we have food, we have movement, we have mindset, these things that keep your physical body in a place where you can then actually have the capacity to do the deeper inner work. Yes. So for me, what happened was just going from, you know, I lived in my parents' garage for a couple of years. I've struggled a lot with money. I've, I've just struggled with self-worth. I have lots of privilege in my life. So I'm not saying I've had the hardest time by any, by any means, but I've overcome a lot and I've come a really long way. And what I feel is that, um, we can live really amazing lives. I believe we all are here for a reason and it doesn't have to be to be the next Oprah. It it can be to be a parent to that specific child or to raise awareness around food allergies or whatever it is. But I believe we're all here for a specific reason. And the most selfish thing that we can do is not share that with the world. It's not do the work to tap into what lights me up, what's my calling. And I really believe that if everyone followed what lit them up, if everyone looked at what are the unique struggles that I've had, how have I overcome them and how can I share that? I think that's how this world is meant. That's how this puzzle works together, right? And And the vibration of the communities and the households, like it just expands. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately helping people live their fullest possible life. And, and I will always continue to provide services and experiences and businesses that contribute to that mission. I want to talk about Whole30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a lot of reasons. Um, you did, when was your first one you did? Uh, January 2018. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I was blowing up your phone. I'm like, is this okay? Oh, I remember. Oh that's so funny. I'll talk about Whole30 because it was transformative for me as well. Um, I remember coming over, it was like early December, and I was such a mess with life. And then I was like, F it, I'm just going to do this Whole30. It worked for you and getting clear and just something different, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad I did that. And I think a lot of our moms want to, but a lot of them fall off and they don't think it's possible. And then I did a whole 27 mm-hmm. <laughs> following <laughs> September. It's interesting. I don't think I told you, but the reason why I fell off because that was ego driven. Mm. Okay, so I was like, well, if I do two rounds of Whole 30, then I can be a Whole 30 coach, mm-hmm. and then I could blah blah blah. And I think um, it came from I'm not enough to talk about Whole 30 because I didn't do it twice. Mm. So that was why I wanted to do. That the was why. One. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. I would say 50 yeah. percent for that, with the end goal of wanting to maybe coach or have that part of my ability to work with women. Yeah. The other part was just, I just obviously feel really great after it. Yeah. So um, how would you talk to a mom to say, like, is there any alternative to Whole30 to get mentally clear? Or do you think you just got to do it? You just have to do that. Oh, sure. I mean, everyone's bodies are different. So I think, like, some, I have friends who are vegan or vegetarian and thrive and feel awesome. I personally feel like hell when I don't have some sort of 
high quality animal protein. So like there's certain things, there's that conversation, right? It's like, it's not necessarily, Whole30 is not the end all be all. It's mm-hmm. just what's worked for me. And I find, and a lot of, has worked yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. I'd also say like from cut pulling from, again, like the recovery community, progress, not perfection. And I think that's one of the issues with the wellness community nowadays is that it's so perfection based that it's like, it's okay if occasionally you got to hit a McDonald's and get some fries. Like that's okay. Yeah. But like then also then when you have a little more control, yeah. then make a, a choice, like yeah. an educated choice. But for me, like even the first time I did Whole30, I actually for the – I think it was like for a month before I did Whole30, I sort of gradually got into it, right? right so right. I think I eliminated like dairy and gluten. Yeah. And then maybe like – one week later I eliminated it's why and I let I gave myself a practice a couple weeks to practice and it gave me permission to fail and learn the rules and read the labels so that when I actually embarked on day one of my official whole 30 I kind of knew what I was doing (laughs) you know and so that was really helpful um I would say like there's a lot of different things that we can do for mental clarity but our food system like you really have to we're cars right we're we're the fuel we put in is that's what helps us run Mm -hmm. and we can choose I think the quality of the food we put in our body is the quality of the experience the life experience and it it contributes to the greater consciousness of of this world and that's why I believe food can change the world you know for me it's so much cheaper than just giving people healthy food or having a clear mind even like it's so much greater than that and uh, yeah I mean I think sleep is the number one before food um, which I know speaking to moms (laughs) they're like well screw this I remember but, our, uh, our mutual friend, Dustin, when I just had Max, he texted me, he goes, every time I feel tired for not thinking of thinking of sleeping enough, he's like, I just think of you. <laughs> because I was like, every, when, when you have a baby, yeah. every two hours you're up. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. there is, It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and so here's the thing. There's a certain gentleness and self-care that we have to be able to shift perspective and be like, wow look how beautiful this is that I can feed this child that this is like, like in folk in those situations, like your that. sleep is going to be sacrificed yeah. and that's okay too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the same thing for me. Like when I have some days I really feel like the most self care for me is not doing my self care routine. Hmm. Meaning like it's not working out that day. It's hmm. not sitting down and doing a checklist. It's not meditating. It's actually giving myself a slow morning to just veg and like not be structured and not put in the work. And so for me, that's been like the full circle of this journey was for, I was like party, totally like unconscious. And then I got into super conscious wellness focus, like perfectionist about it, extreme. And it's been so cool to level out. And now I feel, and I feel like the gift of that is really the paying, the staying in my body. And that comes from my clear mind, which comes from the way I eat. Right. So it's, it's, it's all connected. It's sleep. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're consuming things that keep you unconscious Mm -hmm. or, or hinder your ability to have clarity, you know? And that's the thing. That's why I'm, yes, Whole30, when I first did it, I lost 16 pounds, right? And I always lose, I'll lose weight, my skin will change, whatever. Now, the reason I am such an advocate for the program is twofold. One, it's because I think it's a really beautiful education for around food for people. It teaches you how to read labels. It teaches you how to not obsess about calories. It, it teaches you about ingredients, yeah. which I think in a diet culture like we've all grown up in for the most part, it's really important to shift that mindset to realize that what matters is the ingredients and not the numbers and the calories and all that sort of stuff. But the second part is that it, get, that it is a path to mental clarity. 
which I believe mental clarity is a path to enlightenment, consciousness, awakening. And that's what I think if this world, if there's any hope for this world and your children, <laughs> all of you, like we have to prioritize that. Oh, for sure. Marianne Williamson for president. <laughs> well, I was just already got a ticket, but I, don't, I haven't seen like a person come by and they would have done it to your car too. Oh yeah, you're right. Because we're in the car. I love it. When you have, there's no shame in hiring or asking for more help when you have a kid. Like, yes, we don't have to do everything. We don't, we don't. And I feel like there's some sort of suffering, like badge of honor you get because you are yeah suffering. It's the same in the business world. Yeah. It's, this, it's this broken, this like really old school belief that the your success is equivalent to the hours you put in or the pain you endure or the hustle mm -hmm. you have and it's just not that it can be that you can yeah. get successful by missing all your kids stuff and yeah. and not sleeping sure yeah. Yeah. you know what i mean yeah. but there is another way and if you're you. willing to accept the fact that there's another way that there's an easier way to bring money in and that you bringing money in does not take away from someone else bringing money in that there's abundance for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And I always tell people when I lived in my parents' garage and I was six figures in debt, I paid a cleaning lady $20. I think it was every two weeks to come and clean my place. Right. Girl, I want that and now. people, and people were like, <laughs> people were like, what, that's, that's what okay. you're spending your money on. But what, what for me, automation and delegating yes. where I can, even if it's small things and cause I can barely, I couldn't afford it. Like that was important. Because I realized that in the hour or two that it might take me to clean that place like she did, I could build a website for my new business. Yep. I, my strengths were better used yes. in marketing. My yeah. strengths were better in creating than the, than those two hours. So it's it's knowing your strengths yeah. and delegating the rest. That's why yeah. I have a meals delivery business. You know, they Steve Jobs, right, wore the same outfit all the time because he's like, why would I waste my willpower, my decision making, which is finite, mm -hmm. on these sorts of decisions? And I believe the same thing with food. Like that's why I automate so many of my processes. I'm totally agreeing with you and where you can make things easier for you, delegate, eliminate, and really empower other people to help you out with the things that you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. I've never actually talked about this ever as a mom because I had Max when I was 39. I had so many friends have kids before me and I'm not, obviously I love kids and I was just kind of being sarcastic earlier, but I really took notice of their journey and of how they were struggling. And so you know what I did that first year? I actually joined Brooke Williams, and I was a member of oh, Brooke Williams for that first year. I actually never, I, like you know, that. I just remembered, I never talked about it. And I didn't go every month, but yeah. at the time it was like $79 a month. Uh -huh. My husband was on board with it, and I didn't get, you know, they roll over and stuff. Yeah. But every six to ten weeks, I would go to the spa by myself mm, because that. it was like preventative care. But I don't feel any shame in that. I feel like, thank Good. God I did yeah. because uh, to being present to everything. I know a lot of moms feel so guilty leaving their baby for years yeah like your friends like it would blow it's gonna blow your mind when you oh I can't are, yeah, yeah like I can't imagine won't leave their baby for a year or two and I get that you can listen and be like oh that's nice you have the means to do Berg Williams we budgeted for it yeah you know, we moved yeah. things around for it because I knew that it was important that I had a place to check out even you know before I got into what you've taught me about like really being accountable mindful and manifesting what I want in my life and here's the thing, what, what and I, I worked with so many moms at brunch series because they kept showing up because they were the ones that were having the hardest time with self-care. Mm -hmm. And what I have to always remind people is that self-care is the most generous thing that you can do for the people that you love. You can give your, what's better, right? Mm -hmm. Get, let me give your, give your child three hours or two hours when you are stressed, angry, you're not attentive, you're mm -hmm. in a bad mood, or why don't you give them one hour where you are hands-on 
like present, like, you know, like right there with them and take, and you took that other hour to take care of yourself. Like that's, it's quality over quantity. Yeah. We really need to break through that because a mom will pay no offense to Gymboree or any of these franchises. They'll pay to take their kids to these gym classes for $28, $25, but will not spend money on anything else for self care. And I don't mean, I don't mean um, commercial self-care, yeah. just anything, maybe yeah. to go see a therapist, maybe yeah. to get some coaching, maybe yeah. to go for a workout. You know, they won't do it, but, yeah. you know, here for my kid, for my kid, which I think is great, but there has to be a cutoff where, hey, I'm part of the equation. Mm-hmm. Hey, my needs come as well. Toe to toe, shoulder to shoulder, maybe not more, maybe not less, but be a part of the equation because otherwise, you're right. If I don't have, <laughs> if I don't have time away from my children, yeah. I am crispy. I am mean. I have to apologize a lot. Yeah. And I'm just not, I'm just, I don't want that for them. I don't want it for me. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's super important that you can see that as a, as a byproduct of not having self-care. So let's talk about your self-care checklist as we uh, really dive into that, because I feel like that is your, your, your aura, your energy, everything that you've brought to this universe for me starts with how you've created the self-care checklist and I want, to, yeah. I want you to tell people what you do from A to Z. So I, in the last sort of seven years of this personal development journey that I guess that I've been on, um, you know, I really soaked, I read a lot and I soaked in all of these things that I knew I should do, should do. But when it came down to it, it felt like all these little things floating around me in the ether or whatever. And like, I was, I need to grab them, remember to do them. And I thought the problem here is not that I don't know what to do. It's that I don't have accountability and how can I make sure that I do these little mindset changes? Like, like I'm a very, I'm very action oriented. And I felt like it was like, yeah, say these off, you know, it was like, it just felt really vague. And so what I started doing, and I actually started this little checklist as a way to not binge eat. I was really struggling with my binge eating disorder at the time. And I was eating, I was broke and I was spending like 50 bucks a day on food that I didn't have going into debt because I was an addict, like I was a food addict. Mm -hmm. And, and I was buying all this food. I was eating, you know, five, six, 10,000 calories in a sitting, hiding it in my, under my sheets. Mm -hmm. And like, God forbid anyone sees me like an addict. And I, I was struggling with it. And I remember thinking, what would it take for me to get to the end of the day and not binge? And I remember thinking about it and I was kind of just on my knees. It was like a rock bottom. And, and I was like, well, what, what are the things that when I like, if I look at the days that I don't binge, what do those days have? And yeah. what are, how are those days different than the ones yeah. that I do? And I realized it was when I was getting enough sleep. It was mm. when I was eating nutri- nutrient, nutrient dense food. Whole 30 was for me was what felt good. Um, it was when I made time to meditate mm-hmm. and when I worked out. And so I put these four things on a list and checked the boxes, like realize, okay, I'm just going to check that I do them every day. And I did it for like a series of days and realized, wow, I haven't binged in three, four or five days. Was that pen to paper in the beginning or was it always uh, on your I think computer? it was probably a little bit of both, but okay. I think it was, in, I used Evernote pretty much from day one. Um, and, and then I realized how powerful this simple accountability tool was. Mm-hmm. And so I started adding things to it and, you know, gratitude and affirmations and like these manifesting practices and mindset, like actionable mindset things and just 
slowly but surely kept seeing these things translate in my life, you know? And, um, and then I started adding monthly, I was like, well, what are the new habits I want? So I, I developed like sort of a system for incorporating new habits where you do them every day for a month and then you decide if they serve you and you move them into the day. So it just kind of took shape on its own for the last five years. And I can tell in the beginning, I didn't do it every day by any means. Now, probably the last, at least the last year I do it usually six days a week. And it is like my, the foundation of my life. And I really, you know, it's, it's developed a lot and I've learned a lot. And I've a lot of, now I have a lot of people from brunch series who are like, I do mine every day. And it's just so simple. It's like a drag. It's like if so I don't simple, do it, it's like... but it is so grounding. Yeah. And, and even if it's five minutes, that's the, then that's part of what I teach is like, this doesn't have to be three hours of self care. This can be a five minute routine. And if you can't get to writing on paper, or you can't write, type it, you can still be driving your kids to preschool and say it out loud or even saying it in your head. Maybe you take the, make, maybe taking the bus or public transportation and you can sit there and just literally spend a minute thinking of what you're grateful for a minute saying positive affirmations in your head a minute like stretching your neck <laughs> like whatever it is and create a little routine for you that works with your lifestyle 100% what are some really outrageous manifestation things that you would say that have come to reality? <laughs> um, there was one that I used to say all the time when I lived in my parents garage when I was really in debt and I, yeah. I said money flows to me faster than I can keep track of yeah. and I was like cool that's so awesome yeah. and I did it over and over yeah. and over and over and you know what happened or you know what I learned yeah. you want to keep track of your money so money started flowing to me faster, really fast, but it was faster than I could keep track of. And I dealt with a lot of different stuff and I wasn't paying attention and so then like just getting like fees for things and just a lot of different things. And so I realized how, you know, one of the four agreements is be impeccable with your word. And I think that's one of them. I want to read and, that. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's so yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it says be impeccable with your word and you forget how precise you have to be. So I've learned, I've learned to have to do that. But, but you know, one of my favorite affirmations right now is I carry nothing that does not serve me physically, mm. emotionally, or spiritually. Um, that's a really good one because I think it speaks to so much. Um, and then I do, I write a biography of myself in the future most mornings and a, and a journal entry for my future. Um, and so a lot of that has come true. I usually write it like five years in, in the future. And Can you uh, explain that a little bit more in layman's, those two parts of it? Because yeah. I really think those are amazing. Yeah. So a biography of my future, I just picture myself in five years and I picture you can, for example, maybe you, there's a, someone's writing an article about you for the newspaper and you, uh, you imagine that someone's writing an, a little biography of who you are. Mm -hmm. So Annie Vovan is the, a serial entrepreneur in the motherhood space. <laughs> she has mom, community centers all over the all over the US her she has a top podcast um, she blog net worth is this Annie is Annie lives here Annie's is surrounded by love she has a healthy passionate relationship Annie's children are healthy and thriving um, she is peaceful she is grounded she is inspiring so you just write like what you hope people say and then the journal entry from the future is just a different kind of perspective it's it's I usually envision that I'm it's like five ten years in the future whatever I, and that I sit down at like my desk and usually I'm in my dream home I'm overlooking the ocean or the forest or whatever one of, <laughs> one of my homes um, and I and I imagine that I open up a journal and I'm writing about the day and what happened so oh and and the reason my my thought process behind why I created this specific version of it was 
a lot of these sort of spiritual teachers, Abraham Hicks and all that, they, they tell you the way to, like we were saying at the beginning, the way to create what you want in this tangible physical world is to actually feel the feelings now mm-hmm. and Step feel feel the feelings now. What does it feel like to sit in that dream home, to have everyone in your life be healthy, to feel happy and grounded and successful, to not worry about money, to feel abundant, to have really positive self-worth and, and self-image, like really sit in that and feel the feelings. And that is how you create it in your life. You choose the feelings first. And it's the journey of getting yeah. there because we can get so ex- Remember when you're younger and you're like, oh, I can't wait to get my driver's license. Right. And then you get there and you're like, nothing really changes. Oh, but then when right. you get the car. And so it's really the journey in already knowing well, the joy there that you already have. And that's right? what I tell people that have a hard time with this. I said, here, the point of this ex- these exercises is not that it necessarily comes true mm-hmm. because it's not even going to be that fun when it comes true because you'll just be dreaming about the next thing. And you're not really going to look back and see if it came true. It's just not, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. The fun is in the dreaming and the play yeah. and coming, bringing it back to children. If you look at children, you think about, okay, why are, children are so happy all the time because they play all day because they imagine because they don't shut down their dreams and they just play. And the fun, the, 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 um, I guess the reward of these exercises is less about what you create in the tangible world in five years mm-hmm. And more about um, the process right now that brings you joy. Yeah. Okay. So, well, Fran, thank you so much for meeting me here in the office. Thank you. You know, this is pure luxury. I actually really like it. The lighting's nice in here. It's soundproof. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. You've built some really a really beautiful tribe in a short time. And I think anyone who's followed along in your journey is really inspired by that. And it's proof like you can have two toddlers and <laughs> drive a minivan and have like a, like all this stuff going on and oh go gosh. through a lot of loss like you did. Mm-hmm. And you can take it and turn it into whatever you want to turn it into. You can choose what you want to do with that. And you can have your own business at the same time. Like, you know, like you're, you're proof of it. And mm-hmm. I think more than anything, if a lot, so many of us seek to inspire others and the greatest thing that we can do is just live the absolute highest version of ourself. Continue. It's not about telling people how to live or what they, people will, will copy yeah. what you do yeah. and how you think and those sorts of things that are not verbal. It's not That's about not that. And so people just see you doing that. And I know how many people you've inspired to, to to juggle it, you know, and to also be gentle with themselves and not, and not get beat themselves up if they, all they can do is all they can do. Yeah. I'm so in the zone of really wanting to help moms with the tools to have that thriving side hustle. Mm-hmm. And I've changed it. I don't think you have to have a full-time blown thing. No. Because it's I the best really, of both worlds, isn't yeah, it? To have, yeah. to have both. Cause I feel like the audience that I really want to connect with other moms that want to be the primary caregiver for their kids. Mm-hmm but also have something to contribute to the world as mm-hmm. far as impact, mm-hmm. as far as legacy, and also to thrive. I don't want them to just scrape by. Yeah. I want them to thrive. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. mindset. It's not necessarily, you know, all these other things, but it's really value. The more yeah. value you can give, the more value. Like, just yeah. tap into that value and just pour into ideal person. There's just moms out there that don't get this positivity yeah. and possibility and are seduced by perfection mm-hmm. or, or wanting to start a business for the sake of, having fame and no, like you, you, we all have something in our zone of genius that will contribute to this world impact and what offer this. So, and keep in mind, if if you're listening to this, you're likely someone who's already found this world and is inspired by it and, um, and, and knows that these sorts of conversations exist. But remember that a lot, a good majority of moms out there don't 
they don't know that this is a conversation that moms are having. They don't know about the possibilities. They don't know about these exercises. So think about some of the moms in your life who could really use this conversation, who not the mom that you, that you know would love this conversation, but the mom who can really use this conversation and needs to hear this conversation because that's how we're so in our bubbles and we just consume what we know to look for. So it takes someone outside of us who can give us, Hey, you might really like this. And this could be the saving grace for someone. So, yeah. And, and I'm not the wife of somebody who is just like, go honey, why don't you start a business and I'll take care of the family. So I really want to make sure the mom knows that it is possible. It is possible in its mindset, a hundred percent over everything. You, You can start from just the idea and the heart and the drive. So so yes. thank you so much. Thank Where can people find me. you? This is so fun to um, say. <laughs> they can find me uh, on Instagram yes. until it disappears at Danica Brysha. It's going to disappear. I don't know. I'm just being, just, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking, not oh seeing? Just being negative. Um, no, it's I'm not. not, going I'm not it's not going anywhere. I think, um, I think things are, Changing. I'm just interested. Yeah. I, 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 I will say I have a pretty good, I think I would have been like a good futurist, mm. meaning like I, I, there's something in me that's super, um, worried I know okay. like I don't want to say like see the future but I'm a, I've mm. always been a really good predictor of pattern mm. of human behavior and patterns and dynamics and mm. where things are going so I just there's something that I feel it's just a, just a shift but it's gonna be positive I just can't articulate it fully anyway <laughs> Danica Brysha is my Instagram and um, my website is just danicabrysha.com I have a virtual uh, course on there for the virtual brunch series you can learn all about how to make a self-care checklist and schedule yourself for success and affirmations in the bio like all this sort of stuff and then my business model meals is just at model meals and okay, model meals. Dot com model meals, and I know we're at an all hour. that stuff but yeah for the most part um just on my instagram is where i share life and all that good stuff oh yeah thank you friend i can't believe your phone just <laughs> ran for that long you know it's good. like really impressive i feel good Okay, I feel like our conversations just always, just, I just feel like our conversations are so natural, you know, and like I, I liked, I'm really grateful to have a conversation that is not telling my story because I've done it so much. For me, I'd rather ha- answer questions, be, like I love just like these natural conversations where it's like what comes up and these are newer questions for me because it's mm-hmm. so specific to mom, like it's, it's more exciting. So much of my community is from you, though. So they know. Like, yeah, yeah, but this hurts. right. Yeah. But so we've had. But but these are these are new answers. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of my podcasts that the podcasts that I do, which I'm grateful for. Like yeah. I'm telling my story, and it's a lot of what my community's already heard. So to say to have new conversations to start yeah. some nice. Thank you. Woo. Love you. I love you. Thank you. That was fun. Thanks for having me. Of course. Oh my <laughs> God, I love you. Do you want me to stop this recording? Like. Uh, yeah, you can So, Mama, I hope you enjoy that podcast. I think one of my favorite moments was it's so true. What is the alternative? I think self care is the most selfless thing we could do because I know I get really crispy and I feel like I'm not the best available me unless I really take the time to take care of myself. And as you know, I say it more than once. And by that, I don't mean consumer self care per se. I mean really looking at what's not working in order to take steps towards the best available, most excellent, most highest self. So I hope you enjoy that. Um, You could always go to AvenueMama.com for tips and tools. I have a toolkit on there, AvenueMama.com for slash toolkit. And also Instagram, We, despite what Danica says, I still think it's there. It's where we have the most activity. So check it out. There's going to be some events soon 
and ways to just gather and come together as a community. I think in-person events is where it's at. I really do. So thank you so much for listening and I really appreciate you being here. Take care.